Another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. The first week of Auburn spring practice is now in the books. The first three practices went out with a bang, per se, because there was a big crowd on hand Saturday. Auburn's first open practice in Jordan-Hare Stadium open to the public for the first time since 2007, so... Pretty exciting stuff, lots of people there. Um, there was a lot of stuff to go over, a lot of stuff that was shown that day um, that kind of, in a in a good way, closed things up for the first week of spring practice um, and kind of put a bow on things and helped us to kind of figure out what we learned in that first week. Obviously, only bits and pieces were shown, only a little bit of it we figured out so far, figuring out what to expect out of this new staff, what to expect out of players in new positions, in new roles, asked to do different things. A lot of new stuff to figure out, but um, it was definitely an exciting first week, so that's what we're going to go over. Going to wrap up the first week as we look ahead to the second week of practice starting on Monday. So a bit of a roundtable discussion. Well, not a roundtable, but getting a couple people um, in here today to talk about their observations and um, their insight and their perspective of the first week of practice. We're going to start with Mr. Jason Caldwell, and we will get into that conversation right now. Here's Jason. And now we've got Jason Caldwell here on the podcast. He is driving back from Atlanta, right, Jason? That's that's where you were at the camp today. Yep, yeah, I've had a, a camp in uh, at, in Denmark High School, uh, Xavier Capers, uh, mm-hmm. right above right above uh, Alpharetta. So uh, myself and Keith Keith Niebuhr were there, and uh, good good day. Uh, lots of good good players in in attendance, including. Uh, Davis Harson, ninth grade quarterback, son of Brian Harson, which enabled Brian Harson to go to the camp. So uh, he was there for for a while today at the camp. So uh, two days in a row, we got to see Brian Harson in person. So that was that was kind of neat. So. Yeah, yeah, we got to see him in person for the first time ever. Looked looked the same he does on Zoom. How was uh? How did his son look? How, what kind of what kind of quarterback is he looking it, like? You know, I mean, he did a good job. I think you know, uh, like most ninth grade quarterbacks, the guy that you know arm strength will get better, do those things. But he right. got a lot of work. I mean, a uh, ton of reps uh, today throwing to the running backs, then to wide receivers. Um, so I'm sure it was one of those days where we you know we talked to to you know to to Brian and his wife, and they were like. He was really quiet on the way over here, you know, the two hour ride, probably pretty intimidating for a ninth grader coming from Boise to now jump into a camp in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, so I, but I think it was good for him and, uh, you know, he'll be a guy that, you know, I think, you know, down, down the road, we'll, we'll pay a little bit more attention to. Yeah, for sure. He looked pretty good in that one video he posted. Um, well, of course, Jason Keith will have that stuff, recruiting stuff on the website to cap off a really fun week. Obviously we're talking about spring practice, um jason we were both at the stadium yesterday on saturday you were busy taking pictures all day but that's you probably got a better vantage point of everything because you were able to really zoom in and and see the details so i'm just going to ask you the same question i've asked everybody else today um i mean just what were your main takeaways from that practice the first time we've been able to see this team in person in practice in a long time um i i kind of thought things looked like they were run a little differently and you and i were sitting next to each other for a good a good chunk of it. And I think you and I had kind of had the same guys that we thought were standing out. What were your, who were your standout guys and, and what are kind of your takeaways from the day? Yeah. You know, I, first for the overall practice, I thought it was exceptionally well oiled for a third practice. If that's what you would say. Now, obviously there's some issues, mistakes that, 
you know, the coaches probably have a better idea of uh, in terms of maybe execution on a play, things like that. But I only remember one fault start type of play on an offensive lineman, uh, not a ton of guys jumping off sides. I mean, to do that in, in day three when you're learning a new system on both sides of the ball, I thought everything went really smoothly. And so, uh, to me, that's that was a great starting point. They, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of issues with trying to get plays, you know, in and out of, of things. Um, you know, you had a couple of snaps on the ground. I think both of them were with Trey Lindsey as the backup quarterback, the number two guy. Probably not going to be that guy when Grant Lloyd returns, you know, so, but young guy kind of getting in the mix. Uh, you know, they were taking snaps, did a pretty good job of doing that. Overall, I thought it was a really clean day. And then as far as the guys that stand out, I mean, it, it's hard not to look at number four and go, you know, Tank Bigsby, everything, you know, that, that we saw last year and more, I thought he looked really, really good uh, yeah. in his cut, cutting and moving, doing things he did. I thought Javaris Johnson had a really good day at wide receiver. You know, it's a guy that I've seen a bunch of, you know, out of Hewitt Trustful High School. Um, you know, people think back to Ryan Davis and kind of how important he was, you know, that 2017 offense and a guy that could, could make plays in the middle of the field. Javaris Johnson's a similar type guy, but a guy that probably has more speed. And so I think he's a guy that in route running, he got some separation yesterday, you know, in the interior. I think he's a guy that's going to be able to help this team. So I thought those two guys, I thought Deshaun Manning looked really good on the offensive line. I, I thought he was a guy that, you know, got, got some playing time last year, got that experience. Um, I thought he did a good job yesterday and looked to be more explosive. And that's kind of my general takeaway overall, too, is that you could see the difference in just the bodies of the guys. Um, there's guys that have gained weight, guys that have lost weight, but I think everybody looked like they were a little bit more explosive to me. Now, some of that is it's, it's the day three and you hadn't put on the pads yet. Um, but I thought that the, the physicality, I thought you could tell it more on the offensive line. I thought guys looked a little leaner. You know, they may weigh more. I thought guys looked a little leaner um, and were moving around really well. And, you know, maybe they're up in weight technically on the chart. Um, to me, they looked like they were uh, maybe a little bit more from, from the weight-wise uh, uh, in, in really good football shape heading into the spring. Yeah, I think you pointed out, to Sean Manning had those long arms and you can really kind of tell how he uses those really well. But <laughs> Yeah. He, he, I tell you when, when I think about him, I think about a guy that Auburn fans will remember that made a similar move. Tyrone green was a guy that made a similar move from defensive line to offensive line, wound up playing in the NFL for a while. So Sean Manning's built very similarly to Tyrone green, those really long arms that, that probably allows you to make up for, for not being six, six, um, you don't have to be that guy if your arms are the, the the length of a guy that's seven foot tall. That's about what Deshaun Manning is. He got a lot of reach, and uh, I think uh, I think he's a guy that can can maybe you know take another step forward this year. Yeah, I think when we were talking about him, he was standing next to Sean Shivers, and you were like, "Well, his his arm is about as no. long as Sean Shivers is tall." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, Sean's another guy who looked really big. I thought the the defensive lineman too. Um, you're talking about the guys who lost weight some of them gained weight jaron handy i thought looked slimmed down um a little bit more like you said a little bit more explosive and then the guy that you pointed out with that picture you posted of him Derek hall looks like a big time defensive end um and he was out there looking really good making plays along the defensive line javarius johnson though is one that um i've been really interested to see i know he kind of had some 
health issues, but, or just injury issues, excuse me, but yeah, really, really fast. I thought his ability, like you said, to create separation, I think he bailed out Bo Nix on the 11 on 11 that they were doing. I, th I think he got open and kind of made a, a big catch in the open field, only five foot 10, but they're going to need somebody like that to, to replace kind of the, the speed sweep of Eli stove and Anthony Schwartz did all of that. What did you think Jason of the, um, I mean, just kind of the turnout for the day and the, the fact that Harson said, this is, this was good for us. This is something we needed to do. I mean, it was Auburn's first open practice since 2007. I mean, what does that kind of say to you about the difference and, and how harsh, I mean, again, we've talked about this before, but not good, not better or worse, you know, we're not going to know until they start doing stuff on the field, but um, just the differences between this and the Gus Malzahn era start to continue. Um, what did you kind of, what, what, are, what are, I mean, the, what are kind of your takeaways about the culture changing? We talked yeah. about that a little bit at the beginning of the week after workouts. Yeah. You know, I think it's just one of those things. First of all, I think you're right. Change doesn't necessarily um, mean that it's going to be better or worse. Sometimes though, a change is just needed. And I think you can see it reaction from the players reaction from the fans I think you can see that people were ready, just like, okay, it's it's time to do a little something different. And, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, other than a couple of, of exceptions, you know, you hear coaches now and, and you know, we had, a uh, you know, Tommy Toberville and, and a few other coaches that I've talked to said, normally you get to year 10 and you start to lose fan base and it may start a couple of years before that now. Uh, and I think we see that no matter who you are nowadays, you, it's hard to win enough. And, and an example of that, I was, I'm listening, we're in the middle of NCAA tournament in basketball and Leonard Hamilton did not take Florida state to the NCAA tournament until year eight. Um, now he's no, he's not at Florida state in year eight. If that happens anymore, um, that's, right. that's the world we live in now. And that's the, the challenge. And, and obviously it's always going to be a little different, but I thought, the fans showed out, I, I would guess, 10,000, um, somewhere around in there, I would think, is, is kind of what we saw from a fan perspective. I believe if they said, hey, two weeks from now, we're going to do one more of those before A-Day, we're going to have it open to the fans, it's going to be a scrimmage. I think if they did that, you could have 25,000 people there. Um, I believe that would be a possibility. Um but I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good day, uh, the right move. Um, obviously, it gave recruits a chance to come sit in the stands and watch some, which I think makes it an even even more uh, correct play by Auburn. But uh, you know, I, you know, you look at them, and, and I think there's some positives already out of this. And as far as culture goes, um, I think you can see these guys. It's a buying in process. I think every day that goes along as they get from winter workouts onto the field in the spring, I think that adds to it every day. Yeah. And like Brian Harson said, when we talked to him afterward, I mean, all, what you're seeing out there on the field is just bits and pieces. You don't know how much of it is even going to be used. So really what matters right now is, is the baseline of that culture. And like you said, kind of buying into his vision, what are you kind of looking for as we transition tomorrow? I'm excited to talk to talking to both the offense and defensive coordinator, Mike Bobo and Derek Mason. What are you kind of looking forward to as we now, move into the second week of practice. They missed one day in the first week because of the tornado warnings, I think, on Wednesday. So they're a tiny bit behind. But what are you kind of looking forward to as we move into the second week in terms of how this team is is developing, like you said, still trying to put some things together? 
I, I think a couple of things for me. I think we've talked about it. I've written about it a couple of times, and it's been really interesting to me to see the transition to more of a 3-4 look. We saw that some yesterday and uh, at practice, in the open practice, and I thought it was it was real interesting that, that we saw uh, you know, Jeremiah Wright in the middle at times with uh, Colby Wooden, Derek Hall, and T.D. Moultrie on the field at the same time in more of a pass rush defense. Uh, you know, how they use those guys, the versatility up front, I think that's what I'm really anxious to hear about from from, from Derek Mason. And then offensively, Mike Bobo, um, that, you know, the transition to, to meshing with Brian Harson, And then just kind of his thoughts on Bo Nix, a guy that he's – I'm sure he's very familiar with, um, had already been familiar with. I mean, you know, even though he was at South Carolina on defense, um, you, you kind of pay attention to other teams in this league and – from a recruiting standpoint, I think, you know, Mike Bobo and, and, and Patrick Nix probably had some crossover between Georgia and Georgia Tech at some point. So I think he's a guy that he's very familiar with. Um, heard so far that they're really pleased with, with what they've seen from Bo to this point. So um, that'll be kind of the, 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 the interesting hearing points for me especially. Yeah, definitely agree. Definitely excited for that one. We'll have all the coverage of that. Jason, we'll let you get back to – Driving, I don't know if that was you honking at somebody or somebody cutting you off, but um, no, it was uh, it was next to me, thankfully. So. Okay, good. Well, be safe, be safe driving back, and uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Appreciate Jason coming on the podcast, and we will get to a quick break. You're listening to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Two, one. All right, and next on the podcast is Sir Mark Murphy from Inside the Auburn Tigers. Mark was also at practice on Saturday. Mark, I... I wasn't sitting next to you, so I didn't really get to hear um, a lot of your feedback in, in live live time, I guess. Um, what stood out to you? What were you what were you looking at over the course of the day? Um, and just kind of what are your what are your general what's your general feedback from getting to sit in the stadium and, and see these guys in person and practice for the first time in a long time? Yeah, I wanted to see how they organized practice and, you know, what exactly was going on. And uh, it looked like it was basically about a four-ring to six-ring circus out there most of the time. There was uh, one act going on in one corner and one in the other corner and uh, a lot of individual teaching. And, uh, you know, the pace was good, Nathan. Uh, There wasn't much downtime. I think one of the things that sort of stood out, there was a three-minute readjustment period for both sides during the, uh, I think it was 11-on-11 work to Mm -hmm. let them fix some things real quickly on the fly, which seems pretty smart to me because, you know, getting a game situation and something's not working, uh, you're going to have to make some quick changes on the fly. You know, getting getting them used to do that, that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, the number one thing to me is that I saw a lot of energy out there. What did you think? Yeah, I thought the same. I thought, you know, what what, what did they say? The attendance ended up coming out to like 3,500 or something like that. Uh, I mean, anytime you've got that many people cheering for you, I thought probably the best part in terms of uh, in terms of energy and feedback was the one on one receivers and DBs drills. I mean, somebody's going to win that every time. And so people were pretty excited about that. But something that Jason brought up when I talked to him a while ago that I wanted to ask you about was, um, 
you know, back when we were allowed to go to practice every once in a while, um, he thought this was very far along in terms of what was just their third practice because they missed the day. And you kind of alluded to that a little bit, talking about their organization. Um, I guess just kind of you've been covering this team a long time. What were kind of the differences in terms of what a Brian Harson team looks like in practice? Obviously, Harson, you know, he's a little bit more hands-on than Gus Malzahn, but to me, it seemed like everybody, you could tell that their off-season conditioning, you know, the weight gains, the weight losses, you could definitely see that on some of these guys. Um, what were some of the things that kind of stood out to you just in terms of the way practice was run versus what we're used to with Gus Malzahn? I think they probably did a lot of rehearsal in the off-season about how they were going to do things. You know, first, Harson was coaching his coaches on how he wanted practice run, and then the assistant coaches worked with their players and told them what they were expecting. And, uh, you know, also think about this, Nathan, all these guys are trying to impress and show, you know, they need to be playing in the fall. And, uh, you know, Brian Harson basically said he's given everybody a fresh start. Uh, he said it might not stay that way through the whole spring, but he said they're rotating ones, twos, and threes, equal reps. And, uh, you know, I saw the uh, assistant coaches spending as much time coaching guys down the what I would assume to be the depth charters they did guys who are likely to be starters. And uh, I think that builds good team chemistry and good team camaraderie. I think you make a good point about having some fans in there, uh, bringing some energy to the practice. I know Tommy Tuberville liked to do that even when they were practicing over at the old intramural fields. Uh, boy, there was always a lot of people out there watching things. And I think the players – you know, didn't want to embarrass themselves in front of fans. And so they gave good effort in those sessions. Yeah, I think that com- what you said about, you know, coaching up the I, I saw Derek Mason working a lot with a guy like Devin Geis and a guy like Trey Elston in the secondary, you know, not guys that we're used to seeing a lot of playing time. But like you said, fresh start. I think there are maybe some people I'm interested to hear your take on this. I think there are maybe some people that are benefiting from that, from no his I guess, no history, you know, if you will, because um, a guy like Javarius Johnson was out there with the ones a good bit as a receiver. Um, a big surprise to me was Jeremiah Wright getting a lot of reps with the ones at defensive tackle. Um, who were some other guys that stood out to you and maybe were a bit of surprises for you? You know, I'm going to go with a really old guy who didn't get to play a lot this past year, T.D. Moultrie. Uh, you know, he's a guy that played more as a true freshman and his playing time sort of decreased as a sophomore, a junior, and senior. Now he's back for a do-over on his senior year. And, uh, you know, I think he's ready to, to take advantage of this situation, move into a new position. He's playing that stud outside linebacker spot instead of having his hand down on the ground every time, which didn't seem to ever be real natural for him. In high school, he was a safety as a junior. Then he moved to a linebacker uh, as, as a senior, and he was real effective. He made a lot of plays, but just didn't turn out to be a a great consistent power pass rusher lining up against big offensive tackles. And uh, this, this position, I think he's going to be lined up more on tight ends and have a chance to do a little bit of coverage, but, and some pass rushing, which should be good for him. So I agree with Jeremiah, Wright. You know, when they signed him, I expected him to be an offensive guard and I didn't, you know, maybe he could get a look at tackle. Uh, And last year they needed, uh, another defensive lineman because their numbers due to injuries and some COVID protocols. And he actually held his own in there pretty well. So yeah, that's a guy to, to keep your eye on out there too. And, uh, uh, you know, 
there's, you know, it's hard to say for sure, you know, which of these young guys are going to emerge, but, you know, it would really be good for them if they could get a guy like Jay Hardy, who didn't hardly play at all as mm-hmm. a true freshman who came in with some talent and expectations. A guy like Sakevius Walker on the defensive front who played some, but I think he might be ready to take a big step forward. Yeah, Zakevius Walker for sure was somebody we all – I was ready to watch him on the field, and then Jeremiah Wright came out, and I was like, wow, it's surprising, you know, for a guy like him to step in. But I mean, I'm excited to talk to Derek Mason tomorrow about what has stood out about Wright. Um, Mark, last question, I'll let you go. What as – you're, as we go into the second week now, what are th- some things you're going to keep your eyes on, um, and what are you most looking forward to about the second week as we still kind of, you know, figure out what this team is in terms of their makeup? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know – what type of personality it develops. I think the coaches are trying hard to make it a real physical offensive team who could run the football and set up the passing game with a good running attack. And, uh, you know, last year, the the whole deal with the change in offensive coordinators was to set up uh, the ground game with a good passing attack. And the passing attack just never was consistent enough to do that. And, uh, you know, Auburn had a great – freshman running back average six yards a carry but a lot of that he did on his own with uh, breaking some tackles at the line of scrimmage and you know by the time they get done with spring practice it would be a really big deal Nathan if they could figure out who their starting five on the offensive line are going to be and uh, I think they got a chance to be a lot better than they were last year now think about this when they went into the season last year they only had one guy on the offensive line who'd started for a game for Auburn that was at center. And that was only a few games that had been started there. And then they missed all spring practice. Then during preseason practice, there was COVID protocol issues and they had a hard time getting the same five guys out there practicing, getting that offensive line straightened out in the spring is a big deal to me. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how council's injury plays into that when he comes back in the fall. We'll, we'll see how that goes. He's Mark Murphy. Thanks so much, Mark, for joining us and talking a little bit about practice. Excited to see where this team goes as we continue spring ball. And we'll be right back. Get to a quick break. We'll be right back on this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Just going to close things out here and look at kind of position by position what we saw and what we know of from week one. Um, Quarterback actually was a little bit of a surprise because Trey Lindsay, who's a walk-on, was taking the second team snaps at practice on Saturday. Now that's because Grant Loy... Um, who was Auburn's backup quarterback last season, Bo Nix, his backup quarterback. Um, he beat out Cord Sandberg for that spot. Pretty good player coming out of uh, Bowling Green. He transferred to Auburn last season. He's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue. And so he was kind of off to the side with the injured players, guys who were not full participants in practice. And so Trey Lindsey was in there taking the second team snaps. And, you know, some people might be wondering, well, why is that not Demetrius Davis? He was brought in to be, you know, uh, Auburn, was going to have a respectable high, high, you know, supposedly a high caliber backup quarterback, which is an important thing in the SEC. Well, this was only his third practice of his freshman year, his freshman spring. So 
No, I, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into that. I mean, it's just probably a position that he is going to overtake by the end of the spring. But once Grant Loy gets healthy, which, by the way, it didn't seem like that much of an issue. I mean, he was just kind of didn't have any protective gear or anything talking about Loy. Um, he just wasn't a full participant. So I'd expect him to be back at practice pretty soon. We'll get a briefing on that um, and any other sort of injury situations going on because we're going to talk to offensive coordinator Mike Bobo tomorrow, recording this on Sunday. Um, right now, going to post it on Monday morning. So, and then Demetrius Davis looked pretty good. You can definitely see the athleticism. He had some issues, um, as did Trey Lindsay, had some issues taking snaps under center. That's something we wrote about. A little bit this weekend, obviously, Brian Harson and Mike Bobo both have multiple style offenses, more pro style than Auburn has been used to in the past. So you're going to be taking some stuff from under center a little bit more. And these guys aren't super used to that. So Brian Harson said after practice, just getting these guys used to it. I mean, it's something that they are not super experienced with it, whether they have been in Gus Malzahn's system for years, obviously haven't been doing it that much. And then most high schools nowadays don't really take many snaps from under center. So something to watch moving forward is them doing more of that. And you'll definitely be expecting more of that as we move forward. And then obviously Bo Nix was the starting quarterback on Saturday, you know, in, in every single drill, he is their guy right now. Um, looked pretty much the same. I guess that's all I'll say is that he looked pretty much the same as he did last season in practice. He looks a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit more bulked up. That's how he looked from his freshman year to his sophomore year as well to the wide receivers. Another injured player there was Xavion Capers. Um, who actually came out and was doing some drills at the beginning of practice. And I was like, okay, wow. You know, um, he had that foot surgery after getting the injury in the bowl game, he had foot surgery in January. And then he comes out and is participating in practice. That was only the warm-up period. And then he actually backed off and was with all the other injured players throughout the afternoon, just kind of doing some stuff off to the side, limited participant, but um, I, I didn't know whether capers was going to be completely out of practice after he had that injury at the um in the citrus bowl so good good sign for him to be involved in things same deal with shedrick jackson now shedrick jackson senior receiver um out of hoover the the most experienced guy left in that room uh, he's only got something like 15 career catches but it's the most experienced guy because they're losing all their top receivers he was the same way he was a participant in in warm-ups and smaller things but most of the time he was just kind of working off to the side. But Brian Harson sort of insinuated at the beginning of last week that his injury might have been, we don't know what he's dealing with, some sort of injury this offseason, um, a little bit more severe than Capers. So good sign for both of them to be in it. It looks like maybe by the end of, maybe we'll see them both at A-Day. Maybe they'll be fully suited up and will participate at A-Day. Other than that, another note, I made this note on the board um, in our notebook was, uh, J.J. Evans, the redshirt freshman receiver, former four-star receiver, um, got hurt. He limped off to the sideline a little bit and then had ice wrapped around his knee. Um, but then in some videos, this is just kind of, you know, hashtag journalism uh, digging a little bit in some videos um, that some players were posting afterwards, just everybody kind of hanging out in the complex, getting ready to watch film. He was walking around, looked fine. Uh, so I don't really think it was any sort of, issue again we are going to talk to mike bobo tomorrow and i'm going to ask him about jj evans just make sure it was nothing but that was something i noticed it was kind of right in front of us on saturday right in front of where i was sitting he kind of limped over but in terms of the receivers group moving on i mean like jason noted uh javarius johnson looked really impressive 
got a lot of reps with the ones guy out of Hewitt Trustville who hasn't played that much. So I believe now he's going to be a redshirt sophomore really hasn't played that much through his two years with the program. Um, I believe I, I can't remember what kind of injury it was. I was, I was going to spitball, but then I remembered that I couldn't actually remember what it was. So I'm not going to, not going to put anything out there, but some sort of injury um, for him that kept him out a little bit last season. And so I know he was sidelined just kind of in street clothes for most of the games, but like Jason said, really, really fast player who looked really good, really good route runner. That's probably my biggest takeaway from watching him in person on Saturday was his route running ability. Really impressive. So like I mentioned, they're going to need somebody to replace um, like that small slot, uh, kind of a speed sweep type guy. And he's really fast. He's got great speed. Um, looks good with the ball in his hands in the open field. Another guy who's really similar is Malcolm Johnson. He was the four-star receiver out of Virginia who uh, reclassified and joined them last year. He only played in a couple games. I don't think he touched the ball ever, but he looked good as well. He was getting reps with the ones. It looked like the starting receiver group was Elijah Canyon, who had the big bowl game, Kobe Hudson, who had seven catches, seven, eight catches, something like that last year. Um, and then it was Malcolm Johnson or Javarius Johnson. They, they kind of swapped back and forth, with, with, which makes sense. They're kind of um, pretty similar in terms of their skill sets. You'd think Xavion Capers will be slotted in there when he's fully healthy, maybe Shedrick Jackson as well. But all those names, everybody I just mentioned. Oh, and Kalen Newton got a good bit of playing time too, and he'll probably continue to get that considering he's a great blocker. He might be the best. Well, he and Shedrick Jackson are probably the best blocking receivers on the team tight ends uh, i talked a little bit about this in the story um, that i wrote afterward is that they're using some fullbacks and so luke deal and jj pegese were both playing fullback um in the i formation a little bit uh, jj pegese definitely made the play of the day he threw a huge block on zacoby mclean in the backfield definitely remin reminiscent of the one that he threw against old miss last year where he just buried somebody in the backfield it got it got the crowd pretty fired up so that was probably the play of the day but Pagese, obviously, playing a lot of tight end. Tyler Fromm was playing there at tight end. Um, and then Luke Deal as well were really, really involved with the starters. I will be interested to see how that group does moving forward because John Samuel Schenker, who is the most experienced tight end in that room, has the most catches, yada, yada, um, and who's been a really good player at times for Auburn, has had a lot of pretty big catches, was not with them on Saturday because he also plays baseball. So he was in Oxford because Auburn baseball is playing Ole Miss. Um, and I believe he got a he got a hit. I believe he uh, brought in some runs on Saturday. Anyway, um, it, it was interesting to see them put things in a two tight in a 12 personnel um, with two tight ends in there. There was one formation I really liked um, with Pagese lining up at running back. And then he moved up to kind of an up back position and then Tank Bigsby motioned in at running back. And I don't even think they ran a play out of it or a run play out of it. I thought, I think it was a play action. And then they threw like a swing screen to like Kobe Hudson, um, lots of eye candy, but not the kind of eye candy we were used to with Gus Malzahn, definitely using more stuff close to the line of scrimmage. So, um, pretty good looking group, Brad Bedell, that, that position coach, I continue to hear great things about him. Um, he was really fired up, really involved, not only with his tight ends, he was really excited after Kalen Newton threw a block. He like ran onto the field to celebrate with him. Um, they think they're really lucky. They think they are really lucky that they got him to come over from Boise State. Um, so far, the players love him. And he is definitely, in terms of early impressions, been one of the best Auburn assistant coaches of this new staff 
so far. Offensive line, like Mark said, um, it would be beneficial for them to have the starting five by the time spring is done. It was the same starting five um, on Saturday. It was everything you would expect. Uh, it was pretty much what they left off with last year. Obviously, Brandon Council, who does have a shoulder injury, was in a sling. Uh, so nothing on his knee. So he must be progressing well from that knee injury last year. But he was out with a shoulder injury. It was the same lineup left to right. Um, Brodarius Ham, Tayshawn Manning, Nick Brahms, Keandre Jones, and excuse me, Alec Jackson. I'm like trying to do it in my head without even looking at it. Alec Jackson at left tackle, Tayshawn Manning at left guard, Nick Brahms at center, Keandre Jones at right guard, and Brodarius Ham at right tackle. However, they did, like they did last year, substitute in Austin Troxel was playing some left tackle, and Brandon Coffey was playing some right tackle with the starters as well. So like we've been talking about all off season, you add in, so those are, those are two more guys. You add in a guy like council. You've got eight players who started on that offensive line last season. Will friends got a pretty big task ahead of him to try to narrow that down. But like Jason said, the only thing you could really take away from Saturday was that they all looked uh, athletic. They all looked like um, pretty good in terms of what they were doing, uh, getting up and down the field and being able to to be there and and kind of go against the defensive linemen and not look like they're getting beat super often. So it definitely looks like the offseason workouts, again, all the players, um, works pretty well for everybody. Everybody seemed um, pretty excited. And, uh, and like Jason said, some guys were trimmed down. You could definitely see, for me, the biggest one was Jaron Handy. Um, I guess as we'll move on to the defensive line now, Jaron Handy definitely looked slimmed down. And then Derek Hall, I think he gained 18 pounds, something like that, give or take 18 pounds this offseason or since last year. Definitely looked the part. We were talking a bit about the defensive line, um, and it was 3-4 as a base for Derek Mason. But like Mark said, it'll be interesting to see how much of that they use going forward. Um, and how much of this was just kind of a baseline that they're going to take from a little bit and they might change things up later. Anyway, Derek Hall, of course, edge rusher, TD Moultrie, getting a lot of playing time with the starters. Tyrone Truesdale kind of was in there as that bigger defensive tackle. But he and Jeremiah Wright, who is an equally large man on the inside at defensive tackle, were playing together a good bit. And then you had Colby Wooden in there at defensive end because he might have been Auburn's best defensive lineman last season. You're going to see him a bunch. Um, and then just kind of going on. I mean, Dre Butler rotated in with the first team a little bit. Zakivis Walker rotated in with the first team. Those guys are expected to compete, obviously, for a starting job along the line. But Jeremiah Wright was the one who stood out. I mean, he looked very, very natural. Obviously, it was a guy like Mark talked about that was brought in to play offensive line. Looked like he was going to be, had the mold of a pretty good offensive guard. But Looked really, really good along the defensive line. So excited to ask Derek Mason about him. Linebacker, exactly what we expected. Um, I mean, Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean are one of the best linebacking duos in the SEC coming back this year. Um, behind them, immediately when they just had two inside linebackers, you had um, Chandler Wooten and Cam Riley were the two after that. And so kind of that top four group was mixed and matched that that's that's really what you were looking at in terms of your top guys really you know Auburn's going to use Derek Mason's going to use four or five linebackers in his rotation but um, obviously Papo and McLean they lean on them a lot they're two of the better players on the defense in the secondary um, Ladarius Tennyson yeah was definitely at safety that's something that we thought um, was going to happen based on what players were saying this week and sure enough he was the safety back there 
um, alongside Smoke Monday. Nehemiah Pritchett was playing some nickel. He was a phenomenal cover cornerback. He was even better. I'm going to talk about Nehemiah Pritchett again. Uh, anyone who's listened to the show in the past knows how much I like Nehemiah Pritchett. He was incredible last year. He's a little bit better than Roger McCreary at the end of the season. And so it was Roger McCreary and Jalen Simpson playing corner. Nehemiah Pritchett, when they needed a nickel, when they didn't need it, he could slide back over to corner. Um, so those five guys, Smoke Monday, Tennyson, Pritchett, Simpson, and McCreary, were kind of the, the, the top group, again, for Derek Mason, because that's really all you can look at right now. You don't know exactly how he's going to line things up because they were running some things where there were definitely more than 11 players on the field. You kind of had guys shadowing and you couldn't tell whether he was just trying to, um, you know, look at how some guys looked at a position without actually running a play. You know, it's not actual play they're running. He's kind of just testing things out. So again, bits and pieces here and there, that's all you can really glean from it. But really, I think those five guys were, were your top group. Um, Marco Domio, just a note. He, was he is injured he was off to the side and as is Zion Puckett the nickelback both of them injured um but like as was the case with Capers and Loy they were just kind of chilling doing their own thing nobody's injury really looked other than Council who was out completely everyone else had pads on everyone else was was padded up guys like Capers guys like Domeo um they were padded up were completely dressed out they just weren't full participants the only one who was not dressed out at all um, was Brandon Council. So I think that's a pretty good sign. Um, and again, especially because Brandon Council didn't have anything on his legs. Looks like he might be progressing well from that leg injury, that knee injury. And now it's just time um, to get that shoulder healthy. And so uh, I think that's it. That's I think that's kind of the rundown of what we saw on Saturday. We're going to get another, I believe on Thursday, we're going to get another uh, time inside the stadium to go see them practice. This one's not open to the public. It's just a media viewing period. It's probably going to be 20, 25 minutes of us being able to watch a segment of practice. So really excited for the way that things have gone so far. Obviously, they've only had three practices. Brian Harson said they'll make that that one up that they missed because of the tornadoes. They'll make it up after a day. But really excited to see where things go. It feels great to be back covering football practice again and being able to go in person. So it was a pretty cool thing for Brian Harson to do that and open it up. And I think all the players, like we were talking about before, they're really feeding off of it. Um, and that was really fun to see, fun to see everybody out there really having a good time. So appreciate everybody listening. Anyone who was able to go on Saturday, I hope you guys had a good time. I certainly enjoyed it. Great weather. Um, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Um, hopefully we can catch up. If you see me at the stadium or anything like that, if we do another one of these, definitely say, Hey, um, if you guys like the podcast, please leave a five-star review. Um, if you have any suggestions or anything like that, definitely direct message me on Twitter or our message boards. Again, leave us a five-star review. It really, really does help us out. Um, the intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You can find him on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. He does a really good job. Shout out to him for getting us that music. Uh, I think it's pretty good. And until next time, I will see you guys later. Thanks so much for listening. Hope everybody has a great week.